to the Ephesians. And I've already read a portion of it for you. 6 verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm so glad Paul didn't stop right there. Verse 11, sorry, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with a belt, belt, truth, belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so, you know, I don't, I even struggled with whether or not I should read that this morning. I don't think many of us have to, to think very hard. You know, many of us don't need to even read this, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 from Paul, to know that there is one, there's a presence that Satan is in, is in our world. He exists, that he has been working in people's hearts, that he's, he's worked in our own hearts. It's something that we don't talk about very much in church, Satan. And uh, this morning I just want to draw our attentions to this because I think we've all experienced uh, this happening to us, and it's painful. Um, you guys, last year, before I moved to, to Calgary... About a month before I came here, I just found out that I got this job in Chelsea and I were just excited. We were anticipating a new adventure in our life. And we were, you know, just life, life couldn't be more exciting or happy for us at that moment. And I received a call from my brother. Uh, he lives in Manitoba. He's older than me, 28. He's been married for seven, eight years, has two kids. And I received a call from him. And I knew it was him because I had caller ID. And as he... As I picked up the phone, I couldn't hear any, any talking. I could hear little mutterings, little noises. I could tell somebody was on the other line crying. And uh, for about 15 minutes, I listened to this on the other end of the line. And it was my brother, and he was calling, and he had something to tell me, obviously. And I knew something was wrong. And uh, throughout that 15 minutes, he was able to to mutter out the words, she left me. And she took the kids. And she's gone. And at that moment in his life, you guys, he was at this, one of the deepest moments of pain, the deepest moment of pain he's ever experienced. And as I was in BC, about a 40-hour drive away, listening on the other end of the line, I was just shocked because his wife, Melissa, I knew very well. I had known her now for about eight years. Two weeks, I guess three weeks prior, Chelsea and my family, we had been camping with him and his family in in BC in the interior. 
And we had spent uh, three or four days by lake camping together. My brother and I fished in Chelsea and her sat around the fire just sharing. They were born in the same small Saskatchewan town. They had so much in common and they connected and we had fireside conversations about their church there in Brandon and their faith and what's happening in their family's life. And we were so close and it was just an amazing experience. We decided to do it every year. And three weeks later, Melissa took the kids and she decided, I've had enough, I'm leaving And I share that with you this morning, you guys, so that I can share personally from an experience I had very close to me. You know, who I knew as Melissa is gone. You know, the way I try, I've explained it to the teens before, because I've talked to them about this over the past years, that she's disappeared. There's a way in which this person who was is no longer And I am still trying to wrap my head around this, you guys, but what I do know is that something has happened within inside of her, within her spirit, her heart, that has ripped her away from being who she was. And it has caused incredible pain. And I think what Paul tells us here in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 is the only explanation I need. Um, If we can turn to the book of Job real quick. Job chapter 1. This is a story many of us know. I'm not going to go through the entire story. I just wanted to draw our attention to the beginning. This is a story we, like I said, many of us know, but I don't think we, we really draw our attention to the, the incredible uh, story that this is. Uh, I'll just read the first half of the first chapter for you. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all of the people of the East. This was a faithful man of God with with a lot of wealth, and he he was a, a follower of God. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So we know now who Job is. Okay, this is where it starts to get incredible, you guys. This is what I just want to draw our attention to. This is from the Word of God. Verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? Have you... You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the old brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the... The Sabians attacked and carried them off. They were, they were put 
the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on the camels, on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are all dead. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I read this for a few different reasons. One is the incredible story that it is. The example we have of the way in which Satan works in our world. You know, God, Satan, God asks Satan, where have you come from? He says, from roaming to and fro in the world. What's Satan's desire? Satan's desire is to separate Job from God. It's to separate us from God, you guys. And the reason I read this this morning is to draw our attentions to that. Because I think myself personally, I go way too long in my life through periods in which I don't even think about this. I don't even think about the ways in which I am drifting from my relationship with God. And, and although all of us maybe don't need that reminder this morning, I think many of us do, and I just wanted to have that, this reminder for us this morning. Um, to relate this in some way, uh, actually, sorry, first going back to Ephesians 6. Um, in Ephesians 6 there, Paul used a lot of war language. And we said, guard your, uh, he said, put on the full armor of God. And he lists the, the belt truth, uh, belt buckle, no, sorry, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the, the sword, arm yourself with the sword of the spirit. He uses all this war language, which I think is in some ways difficult for us to really um, connect on because many of us aren't soldiers. Um, fighting with these sort of weapons and in, in these sort of situations. But what Paul is saying is very simple. What he's saying, and he says it twice in his passage, put on the full armor of God. He's saying, guard yourself. Be on the lookout. Be ready. Be ready with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Um, he's saying to be guarding yourself. And what I think he's really saying is continue to pursue God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and the, the shield of faith. Continue to build your faith. Uh, he's saying, don't just stay where you are. He's saying, continue to, to do whatever you can that's possible to be building yourself up more, become stronger in the Lord, because you really need to be cautious. We need to be careful, and we need to be, be doing this. And so um, this summer, I've had the, the chance and the, the privilege to be a part of two different teen camps where I've gone for a week. I've slept in spider dirt infested cabins uh, for a week staying up till 2 a.m. talking with teenagers and uh, in a way it's kind of like a secret little pleasure of mine to like be a teen again and feel like I'm a kid and uh, I get to sleep in these bunks and talk about this retarded teen guy stuff for a week. Uh, I've had this experience twice this summer where I've spent a week doing that 
And uh, I wanted to share with you guys this morning why I've done that and why I feel that that is so important and for it to be an example for all of us. Um, there's a way in which as, as we go to camp, as sorry, not, I'm saying we as in me and the teens. As the teens and I go to camp, we have this situation for us, which, which I believe is it's just unparalleled right now in terms of an opportunity for teens to come to know the Lord. And I say that because what we have is a situation where we're, we're in a remote location. Um, we leave our iPods, we leave our televisions, we leave our computers, leave our TVs, everything at home. And we have the opportunity to be in God's nature, to be away from the things that separate us from God uh, for a week. And not only that, but we're surrounded by 40 to 60 teenagers who are all there for that reason. And there are 10 to 15, depending on the camp, uh, strong Christian youth leaders that are there teaching lessons, giving devotionals, being examples, being friends uh, for that week. And it is just, it's, it is incredible. I can't even describe it to you what happens to a teenager who comes to camp with a good attitude and with the right kind of attitude and goes through a week of camp. They come away, you guys, a completely different person. And not in the way I described earlier. They come away a completely different person in that they're a teenager, a 14-year-old who wants to live for God. They want to make decisions in their life that will bring them closer to God. They want to be the one at their school that's going to go and help the one who's being bullied or picked on or that, that needs help or that just needs a friend that looks lonely or is having a hard time. They want to be that kind of person. They want to be a follower of Christ. And I've seen that transformation in a huge way in teens' lives happen throughout a week at camp. And that's why, I I don't know if there's ever going to be a time, whether I'm a youth minister anymore or not, where I'm not going to want to be involved or encouraging young people to be involved in a week like that. Um, That being said, this morning, I want my encouragement for all of us, no matter our age, to be involved in something like that. Obviously not a teen camp. We can't all do that anymore. Um, But there's a camp experience. I talked about a mountain experience for me. And there's this camp experience uh, that teens have. And they are strengthened and encouraged. And they are built up in such a way that they will always, no matter whether or not that drifts, they're always going to have that experience to draw back on where they were close to God. God was by their side. Um, And so... Simply, you guys, this morning, I would like to ask you, um, if you can, to think about this question. Are you surrounding yourself with the environment that will allow you to pursue God? Um, Paul said to us in Ephesians 6, and in, in basically what, it, what he is saying as you read uh, verses 13 to 18, he's saying, be open and genuine with what your life, what's happening in your life. Build your faith up. Be on your toes. Dig deeper into Scripture. Uh, This is a big thing for many of us, reading Scripture. And Kelly talked about it last Sunday morning. Um, And that is the importance of reading Scripture. And it's talked about so much that, personally, myself, I often feel a guilt for not reading my Bible. And I often have difficulty reading it. And I think it's mostly because I feel like I have to read it. Um... If I, if I turn that around 
and inside my head, and I understand, you know what? I want to read my Bible because I need to become closer to God. Then it's not something that I have to do. It's something that I, I desire to do, I want to do. And it happens for the right reason, not to become smart. Uh, it's not to know more. It's to know God, and it's to become closer to Him. Um, I also, just for a moment, I wanted to, you know, I've encouraged you to look for the mountain experience, the camp experience in your life. Um, For all of us, it's going to be something different. If you look back to where you committed yourself to God, if you have done that already in your life, then it could be what was going on in your life, the place that you were in your life when that happened. But I just want you to think for a moment, and as, as you go away from here all week, you know, what is it in my life that draws me closer to God? What kind of situation, if you haven't been in one of those situations, could I put myself in to draw me closer to God? I have a very easy example for you this morning, and it's church. (laughs) Um, And I'm not necessarily just speaking of coming here on a Sunday morning to church. I'm speaking of church in its entirety. And the opportunity each one of us has this morning, that's that's just sitting and waiting. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a service on the 13th where we're all going to learn a lot about our life groups coming up this fall, our small groups we can become a part of, um, different areas in which we can serve. Uh, I can tell you right now, you guys, that if there is any, any area within this church family that you would like to serve God, that there is an opportunity to do it this morning. There is always an opportunity sitting and waiting for, for us to become plugged in and to become attached. And the reason we do that, the reason so many of us are doing that is because... What that does is it puts us into an environment where we are challenged and we're serving God and we're growing in our relationship with the Lord. And so we ha- I, you guys have an opportunity. We have, you know, you can sit and do PowerPoint, you can do sound. Uh, we have a benevolence ministry where we have a, a food hamper and we hand those out all week to so many people. Uh, there's VBS. We had a soccer team that Andy pla- um, planned for us this summer, which is awesome. It was community and fellowship during the week. It was amazing. Um, you know, we could have any kind of sports team. Um, there's small groups, like I said. Those, those are huge, you guys. A huge thing in terms of putting yourself into an environment where you can be nurtured and grow in the Lord, be, be strengthened. I really strongly encourage all of us, if we, are, if we are really serious about growing closer to God, to think seriously in the next couple of weeks about whether we're going to do that this fall. Um, I think enough said. There's, there's tons of opportunity. Um, but... I just want to, to have you leave here thinking about that question. Are you putting yourself in the situations where you're growing closer to God? Or are you putting yourself in situations that are separating you or making it difficult uh, for you to be close to God? Um, let's all stand and let's continue in worship this morning.